Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities and your place for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. We have a international newsmaker on the show today. It's Gabriel Bonray. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, awesome. Now, um, Gabrielle travels around the country. She is a kindness expert. She's going to explain what that is and what exactly she does and how she might be joining the QuadCities.com team with a podcast. And we're going to talk about how she got started and lots of other cool stuff. So buckle down. Time for QC Uncut with Sean Leary and our guest today, Gabrielle Van Ray. And tell me a little bit. First off, people are like, well, what's a kindness expert? Yeah. Tell me, tell us all what a kindness expert is, exactly. Okay, so for me, a kindness expert, you need to go back to two words, nice and kind. So nice is someone that I say that learned from their parents etiquette, you know, holding open a door, the simple things that we know are part of our culture, our society. They're just polite. That is a nice person. And my manager, Bobby, always says, I am nice and then she said but Gabriella is kind we were in Holland and we got besieged with this question are you kind too and she went no everywhere she said no please and so people started laughing and they say did you know you have a team member that does not want to be kind and I said no that's not what she said she said she isn't naturally she's trying but she she doesn't come by it naturally so the difference between someone who's nice and someone who's kind is the kind person is the person that sees the need and acts upon it. So what I mean by that is, first of all, you need to have your head out of your cell phones to see anything. That's one. And then um, let's say that I'm going to take a very simple one. Uh, Living in LA, you see homeless people every single day, every single moment. There is a way to ignore them, to step around them, of course, and uh, there's a way to stop. And as you know, there is a coffee shop on every single corner in our country. So I usually stop and I buy, if it's cold, I will buy something warm for them. And, And I will ask them what they would like. And then I sit with them and I have the cup of coffee because the truth is, uh, Sean, in uh, two minutes out of my day is not going to bother me at all. We pretend we're too busy, but you know what? I'm not. Uh, I'm honest to say that that's not true. Not for my, my case, in any case. And so stopping is one thing, but interacting, giving that person a smile, and I always say bring them back to humanity because they're dehumanized. And now your listeners might say, oh yeah, but that's difficult. Okay, then I have an easier one. How about all the forgotten people? You park in a parking lot, for example, at work, every single day. Like It's so automatic that you don't even know who is sitting behind the desk. You know, when you, you pass, you go in and out, there's a person that takes your ticket or that opens the, the barrier, right, for your car to pass. That person, they're the forgotten people. Why don't you just stop? And you turn around and you say hi. And they get, when I do it, Sometimes they get very irritated, very grumpy, because they're not used to that kindness. Not in a big city. Not in a big city, exactly. But they get 
so overwhelmed when you do it the second time and the third time and I said hey I'm the annoying lady again <laughs> and then the guy goes I'm starting to like you I told my wife about you and I said so how often do you talk about your work to your wife and he said never it's so boring and I said but it's more interesting if we talk together meaning I need to make the effort but so do you because you also get desensitized you see everyone go by and you feel that they have better lives than you do but that's not always true so we had a kind of philosophical conversation till someone came behind us and I had to go but little things like that the the cashier at the grocery store when they're grumpy right and they kind of say well do you know how much this costs and you're like uh, no it's your job I thought well those kind of things are not very nice right if you say this is your job but what I always say diffuse it kindness is a method to diffuse so much so when she or he is grumpy I always say was your day really tough and I tried to read the badge which isn't always easy but by reading the badge I get they get encouraged that I really mean it kindly and they are encouraged because they're suddenly human they were called Sarah or Mike right. and it gives a whole different dimension and you know what they usually do they actually laugh at me Sean and they go was was I so snippy was I like a real mean bitch and I go a little and they go oh it was a tough day and I said got it you know and then there, there's just a whole shift and that's all I'm asking shifting perceptions is what kindness is about you open the door for that other person to realize to stop stressing out all day long and to just take that deep breath and the whole world is not against you so tell me tell me exactly what do you do I know you travel around a, what do you do? And B, how do you make money on it? How do you how do you support yourself doing this? Because usually kindness doesn't pay very well. No. So the B question uh, is almost a question for my manager, <laughs> but I will answer it. But the A is easy. I deviate. So first of all, I started a world tour. Instead of doing short campaigns, uh, like 11 states in a month and a half, I now do, I have quit my home, quit my everything. Everything is packed in one car and from the 1st of November and I think this will take almost two years I will do the entire world and I really mean the entire world. Everywhere. With the car. I will have it shipped. So after America I'm going to, to Mexico and then from there it will be Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica and down to South America and then over to Europe. And if people wonder how do you do this with a car the moments you stop you get your car on ferries or in containers obviously and I will go by plane train whatever methods are available to me um, money wise too but in the meantime we do three specific things we educate pro bono all schools all community centers that want to have us and we talk about two specific things communication actually three communication kindness and vulnerability because they all three go hand in hand they cannot exist without each other so that's one then the core 
corporates are the ones that are supposed to pay. Okay, so that's how you pay for all this is you have corporate gigs. Right, I know corporate gigs pay. They're pretty sweet gigs. Corporate gig pays, and that keeps me on the road. Okay. But at the moment, as I've put all my focus into the pro bono, I've let that slide. So in the next two months, I have to bring that up because I'm so busy in soup kitchens. I volunteer in hospitals. So wherever I am, I stop. I volunteer. I I was in Flint, Michigan. I tried to get to know the people. Um, see how is the water situation there? I know we're de- we're kind of going off on a tangent, but everyone thinks of you hear Flint and you think of the water the water crisis. What as someone who just was recently in Flint, what is it like? It's getting a lot better. So that's one. The community together is pulling such it's so amazing what I saw there Um, the water isn't good everywhere yet but there are filter systems for free so that is good to know of course uh, that they're so kind to put that system in and they pull together like the homeless the churches the community centers the schools I have rarely and I have traveled so extensively in your country I have never seen such community as in Flint and my take on it when I was asking people was this was the answer I got and that makes me a little bit sad the answer was suffering and I agree and I can nod because I understand that it is in the suffering that we realize that nobody actually can take anything from us that we have literally everything to give. See, when my manager gets anxious or say, oh gosh, they're gonna steal your car and take the tires and don't go to Mexico and don't do this, I or don't go to downtown Detroit or wh- wherever it is that she might have heard something scary, I say, no, I have to. Because it's in the attitude. When you come with the attitude, there's nothing to take from me. There's only the giving part. Everything opens up. So that's what I saw in Flint. Not from me, only from them. They all did it. And it doesn't matter what, what economic level they had. They were all pulling together. More than any other city I have seen. And I think this is due to the suffering of the water and everything. Because it's kind of like a forgotten place, right, Flint? It used to be a huge industry with uh, automobiles, and it's been forgotten. And this is what the Dare to be Kind movement does. Nobody wants to go unnoticed, unwanted, or unloved. That's the basis. I'm asking only one thing. I'm asking people to care. It's exactly what you're doing. Now, how long have you been doing this? And also, it's interesting you bring that up, because I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about the power of positive thinking and creating your reality. And I've read a lot about the theory, which has been espoused by a number of quantum physicists, that we're living in a hologram, and as such, our vibrational frequency draws our reality to us. I'm not sh- being a skeptic. 
part of that sounds just flaky and hippy dippy. But also, I agree. Being a realist and someone who is honest, obviously, I've been around and a lot of other people have been around people who they just have a negative vibe. People who just have a positive vibe, and you like being around people who have a positive vibe. And it goes beyond just the fact that they're nice to you or anything as superficial as that. There's just something about the way that they make you feel when you're around them that's good and vice versa when you're around people that are negative or if you're one of those people who oh my life is terrible and blah 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 you tend to notice those people coagulating together and they all drag each other down and I know part of that is just laziness and not wanting to it's easier to be a defeatist than it is to actually you know do something and push forward with your life and, and take action to do so but nevertheless there just seems to be some truth however per, you know great or less a percentage there is to that creating your own reality do you having been on the road for x month x number of years believe that and if so, do you think that that's kind of like led you away from, you've never been mugged or anything like that? No. So, led you away from any of those situations that other people might encounter? I think um, the, the, the one attitude that I don't have that most of us have is fear. I have uh, this kind of gutsy, like, why would one someone want to hurt me? You know, I'm just an ordinary person. There's nothing to take. So I have that attitude, but it's the fear. You know, I, I always smile when I see this, this typical tourist with the big camera and the fanny bag, and they're just so happy to be somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. And you see that. But they are the targets, because unfortunately, I, I, I really say this with, with a lot of, of passion, compassion for them, because I wish they didn't look so touristy. And I wish there weren't bad people in the world that would attack them because it takes away their entire pleasure and experience of being in that country. But if you have the other attitude, like, no, nothing is going to happen to me. I keep my nose clean. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to walk at 2 o'clock in the morning downtown L.A. Right. No way. No way, Jose. I'm not going to do that. I will not put myself somewhere where there's no escaping. That is dumb. That's just common sense. And that's less vibrational frequency than it is pure old common sense. But what I have noticed in myself is when I'm on the road, of course I get discouraged. Like the other day, I wasn't allowed to volunteer in Columbus, Ohio because they hadn't checked me out. And I said, I'm making food for the homeless next to you. So, I mean, it's your ingredients. I'm just serving. There, there's not much wrong you can do there. I mean, I right. don't really understand why, you know, if you have my driver's license and you could keep, like, the keys of my car until I'm done volunteering, you know, come on, give me a break. And when they do that, I get a little bit discouraged. But the moment I do, <coughs> I always say, okay, what can I do else? What, what is there to do? Can go to school? Can go to church? Let's find out. And that's kind of my take. So it never, never gets me down. So for me... Do I attract it? I'm not sure. I can say one thing is that I get, um, <coughs> sorry, I have to cough. I get both people. 
I get the person that says fantastic what you do and I get the person that says I do not believe in this I think you're dumb and in both cases I ask them to have a dialogue with me because both are interesting to me first of all because I can learn and second of all because I'd like to know what they think why does one think that doing something with altruism is dumb you know what what is it in them that that they did something maybe when they were kids and they were you know maybe someone stole their money in a lemonade stand I don't know right so what is it and so I rather have the dialogue than um, than not well now I'm going to perform a kindness by talking so you can get a glass of water that your manager had performed a kindness by going to get you because we noticed you were copying so um, <laughs> so in essence you as a kindness expert you're going around all these different towns and performing good deeds where you feel where you can see that they're needed what do you talk about in your corporate gigs is it how to maintain a positive environment in your corporate atmosphere? Is it how to bring kindness to the corporate atmosphere to increase? Because let's face it, the corporate gigs, they're, they're not thinking, oh, we we want more Pollyanna-ish speakers. They're going to hire you to find a way to monetize that. And how they monetize it is how kindness can help you sell more things and make more money or how it can improve performance and stuff like that. So what exactly do you talk about in those gigs and is it something of that nature? So first of all, I say that kindness is an untapped advantage in the workplace. That's one. But I agree with you. If I only talked about kindness, there's no way that they would hire me. I do know that. I, I have my feet firmly planted on the ground. Uh, but I have seven different talks. But let's just take two. Communication. So I take the communication talk and I intertwine the kindness. And I do it in such a humorous way that they're all laughing. Because the truth is, I'll give you one example. Siri. How? mad do we get at Siri for not understanding my own accent? Right? I get really frustrated. What if we do that in work with a worker that has a, a colleague of ours that has an accent? We get tone deaf and we ignore her or him. So, see, I take things that are funny and then I bring it back how it affects them. It's funny when it's Siri. It's not funny when it's another human being with a heavy accent, right? And then I talk about diversity and one of my favorites is how you can find your might and how to go from tolerance to acceptance because that's a biggie in the workplace. In the workplace, would you like to work somewhere where you're only tolerated? Mm -hmm. The answer is no and I think we need a new vocabulary. See tolerance was great in the, in the era of Martin Luther King and Gandhi. Not today. We need a different word. We need a lot of different words. So I always say tolerance is only a very polite way of being intolerant. It's just covering. Right. So those are the things that I do in corporates. And in schools, depending the climate, I will pick a few things that I do in corporate and I'll pick them up and throw them into a kindness. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been at this for so long that I kind of know what to pick and choose depending on the audience. Mm. And whether they're seven or they're 70, it doesn't really matter to me. We're all people, right? So that's what I do on the corporate level. 
But I wanted to add something. The other part that I do is I interview others that are doing great deeds out there that are going unnoticed. And I'm not always talking about the nonprofits. I'm talking about, you know, a young child that puts notes um, for someone for bullying. Or I'm talking about, you know, yeah, people are doing really great things for each other. Like right now, people are cleaning up parks. You know, they don't have to. That's that's beautiful. We we need that. So those kind of things. I want to talk about veterans. I want to talk about first responders. I want to talk about teachers. They have a job today that my teachers never had. You know, um, I cannot remember going to school with one child that was hungry. Today we know that. So we we do live in a place where everyone who has a job has to be kind. They have to step it up and do more than just their job with the same pay. So that's kind of where I'm saying those people, why don't we showcase them? It, it, It would be amazing because we don't know it. Plus the fact that it can give us ideas for the rest of the world to copy it. You know, we don't all have to invent the wheel. Now, you're looking at, we were talking about um, you doing a podcast for our network for On Digital, which includes quadcities.com. Um, now, tell us about what you would like to do with the podcast. Is it going to be you interviewing people and it's going to be you talking about the things that you're doing as well as interviewing folks that are doing like acts of kindness? I think it could be both. Uh, I think not just acts of kindness, but w- the conversations I'm having with people. So, for example, I think that people would be very interested in knowing when I meet, uh, for example, a corpor- corporate executive in an airport. Why is he so against this kindness? What is he afraid of? Mm-hmm. What is he afraid that we're going to lose in his corporation? Mm-hmm. So that is a conversation that when you put a recorder under someone's mouth, they, they it's just amazing to hear. And I can't write it all down. So recording and doing a podcast is actually simpler, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you're doing with me right now. Right, right. It is actually simpler than having... I love writing, but it's a lot of work that we do. Because I do it the other way right now. I I record, but then uh, I rewrite it, we transcribe it, and then... Oh gosh, that is a lot of work. I know, because that's what I used to do. I transcribe it, and then I have a fantastic team person in Japan. Her name is Tomoko, and she edits my commas, because I'm not a comma person. I just write. And uh, so she does the, the neat comma and capital stuff. And then, you know, that takes so much work. And then it goes on our website. Or we write for Medium or the Huffington... We used to write nonstop for the Huffington Post until they canceled it. Right. So, um, I, I think... I don't think. I know so. Mm-hmm. I know how interested people are in reading these good stories. And they can be two paragraphs and it can be three pages. It depends on the story. But in the core of the story... I have an ability that is uh, unique to me to get the beauty out of the story. Even if it's a story of rape, even if it's a story of such despair, I don't know what it is, but I see it, I feel it, and I bring it out in the person that even they start smiling and saying, I never thought of that. 
It's really interesting because on the surface, people might discount this as being utopian and just kind of hippy-dippy thinking. But this is something that I've thought about for a while and that in my writing I've, I've covered is the fact that really so much of the troubles within our country and around the world are due to mental illness and unchecked mental illness. Which you think mental illness, you think, oh, somebody's, you know, needs to be locked up or whatever. But even just, if you look at somebody who's a billionaire, yep. they ha- they will never spend that much money in their entire life. Why do they feel that insatiable need to hoard that much money and those ma- that many resources? There has to be some sort of gulf. There has to be a mental illness. Why is it that when we watch a show like Hoarders and somebody has a house full of old magazines, we think, oh, that person's crazy. But when we look at a billionaire or look at Jeff Bezos who has $250 billion, we don't think that person's crazy. Yep. It's the same thing. They're a, they're a hoarder. They're just hoarding a different kind of material resource. And I think that it's the same thing with the gun issue. Not to hot button topic here. Yep. But why is it that in other countries where there are more guns per capita, there aren't as many shootings as in the United States? I mean, the, the people who are the Second Amendment advocates do have a point in the fact that if I had an AK-15 here in the beautiful Cafe 392, it's it's an assault rifle. Okay. Then it was sitting right here. I wouldn't feel a need to shoot this place up. You wouldn't feel a need to shoot this place up. So it really isn't the gun itself. It's the individual that's taking that chance, that choice, making that choice, and that comes down to a mental illness. Because only someone who'd be mentally ill would want to kill another person, let alone kill a bunch of random strangers. And so you touching upon this, it's almost as if it's a slow cure for the mental illness within our society, which all branches down to early development where people were not given the kindness, were not taught kindness, they weren't taught courtesy, they weren't taught how to love one another, they weren't taught how to treat other people, and instead of finding that, they substituted something else, whether it be money, materialism, whether it be you know something, or they, they found themselves so stopped up in regard to being unable to communicate that, that the only way they could do so was in violence. And we weren't taught to communicate. Right. Like, for example, um, I can say to my manager, uh, Bobby, I'm going to play hooky this afternoon. I need some alone time. No question asked. But in a normal job, you don't even dare to do that because it's not possible. There's no room for this communication. So it festers. And one of my favorite quotes, this is my own quote out of my own experience, is nobody, and this touches on what you just said, nobody strikes another human being in any shape, way, or form. They don't. So nobody strikes another human being. So what does that mean? Uh, 7 billion people on this planet, 6.9 billion people are unhappy. So the Bezos that you said needs the money because he has a fear of not having enough. The other person has a fear of not being good enough. We have a fear of unworthiness. So we need to be worthy somehow in a news segment and make it worse and better because then we look better, right? If you ask anyone, why do we do it? Why do we bully? 
why are we a mean instigator of something? It's always because we have to look better than we are. And I think this society, and this is not just America, by the way, this is the whole world. We have to look better, and social media doesn't help because... Yeah, there have been so many studies that are just starting to come out in regard to how over-utilizing, especially for teenagers, an over-utilization of social media creates depression, creates anxiety because of the unrealistic unreality that's within that, where you use filters and things of that nature. So, it is. It's you're comparing yourself to something that's not even real. Okay. I'm so glad Bobby, my manager, is there. She said, you didn't finish your thought with the quote, so it sounded pretty dumb. So, here goes, guys. Nobody strikes another human being coming from a positive place. I can't believe I forgot that. So, and when I get a chance, I even make it longer. So, that means... Every single person is in a negative space and it takes one moment, one person, one kindness to get them out of that negative space into a positive place. And that's how you can be the difference. And I think that is what you are doing with your positive news. And I think this is what I'm doing on the road. It is, uh, honestly, it's identical because guns don't kill people. It's people who kill people. And I always say smartphones don't commit suicide, but it's smartphones are weapons in the wrong hands of the wrong children. That, that's so true. And that's cyberbullying has yeah, become such an epidemic now. I call it cyber torment. I, I could write 50 articles for you just on that. I made a documentary on it. And uh, I'm totally willing to share that with you. Sounds good. We will talk about that later. Um, tell me how you got started. Uh, how did you, what were you like as a kid? What were you like as a teenager? Where did you grow up? And um, you know, how did you get into this? Okay. Um, most teachers will say I'm, I was an inquisitive pain. <laughs> because I'm one of those children that always had a question. I was so curious. I am one of the first cross-cultural adoptions in the world. So I come from Pakistan, a country that is not considered very good, as you well know. And uh, after three years in the orphanage, where I got the name Gabriela, because people ask me this, that's where I got the name Gabriela. I got adopted by Dutch folks, and yes, I speak Dutch uh-huh. <laughs> fluently. I got, um, I flew from Pakistan all the way to Holland uh, with this new family, and I honestly say this, you know, I have one leg in the east and one in the west, and as a child, I didn't know where to belong. I mean, I, you know, no matter what I tried, I didn't look Dutch enough. Obviously, you can see me. You know, I don't look right. Dutch, right? But um, some kids at schools are really nice to me and say, we think you look Dutch. So I say, you're a sweetheart. I do too. <laughs> and uh, by the way, for the listeners, I look very, very Indian, Middle Eastern-ish something. I do not know what I look like. <laughs> and... Um, Adoption came with a price. Uh, my parents were diplomats. They moved around. Didn't get a chance each time. You look like a person. Yeah, but each time I got used to something, I had to move. Had to tell the whole adoption story again. 1966, nobody adopted a child. And my parents are Dutch, blue-eyed, blonde, and very tall. So that in itself means, you know, not fitting in, not belonging. But most people that don't belong have 
maybe a friend, maybe a family member that they feel really close to. And I felt like I was not just bullied at school, but that I couldn't fit in at home either. So there was not a safe space. And there's something I've always wished, is that there was someone, like the adult Gabriela, that was there when I was a kid. And I didn't have that. And when I heard in 2012 that a seven-year-old child in the United States committed suicide and succeeded, I was so torn up, so torn up that I said, this is not going to happen on my watch. And I want to see in my lifetime, I want to see the world caring for each other because there's no reason not to, you know? Because people say, no, no, but I said, but what is what is the reason? I, I can knock them down in five seconds. Uh-huh. There, there, there's, no, there's no real reason. We, we can have PhDs all we want, but there's no reason. So that's basically where I'm coming from, and everything I talk, to, talk about, I've experienced. So that's when your travel began, was 2012? In regard to the kindness uh, project, it started in uh, 2010. I wrote my first book with all my might. It's a memoir about my life and not fitting in, conformity, adversity, and diversity. And then in 2011, I started television and translating the books in six other languages, which took the whole year to do. And then in 2012, I hit the road, and I literally with I have what you call boots on the ground. I I cannot begin to tell you how many places I've been and it's been phenomenal and sometimes I do not know about my impact but then you hear about it three years later and you're like oh my gosh right and the impact and it's always the same that I hear is the time that I took with the human being it made them feel worthy and this is as young as seven years old till people in old age homes that say exactly the same so it's about time it's about giving you it's not about money it's interesting you started off around the same time I started off on the same path because it was late 2008 early 2009 that I started up get your good news which is all good news all the time and then of course segued into quadcities.com but it's an it was an interesting time because that was when the economy crashed and things were very low in society then I think there were some of us that just felt that the zeitgeist needed a change. Yep. There needed to be more positivity because there was so much negativity in the world. My idea started at the end of 2008. And I didn't know how because, like you say, lack of funds, lack of money, lack of endorsers. And I said, just go do it. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. Now, obviously, very divisive time. Very divisive time here in America. And it's around the world, really. I mean, it's in America, certainly we feel it. But there are also a number of spots around the world in which we're seeing, I mean, obviously the income inequality, I think it's the driving force to a lot of the strife that's going on. Because you look at France, and here in America, you you know, people on either side of the political fence would say, oh, it's Trump, blah, blah, blah. And obviously that's a factor. But Trump isn't the president of France. He's not the president of Canada. 
Canada. He's not, you know, it's everywhere. And a lot of it is, it's income inequality where people who are down at the bottom are rebelling against the system because they're not able to live in a lot of ways. And that is creating such a negative atmosphere, but justifiably so. That brings up two questions, is how do you create that positive environment and isn't there aren't there times when you got to be negative i mean really with something like this when you see somebody who's making billions and billions and billions of dollars and then there are so many people that are poor they're needs to be a rebellion against that. There needs to be some sort of equilibrium reached. We can't have this the income inequality the way it is any longer. And oftentimes, as much as I love Gandhi and Martin Luther King, you need a little Malcolm X. You need a little bit, you know, need a little bit of action coming in on that. You know, how do you balance that? Well, I think uh, to say the best is we need to go back and uh, do the one thing that no government is is willing to do each time. And I'm saying this because I was in October in Paris and I was present at this big uh, event and it was specifically about immigrants turning, you know, suddenly taking a gun or a car and going into traffic and, you know, harming others. How does these, how do these things happen and my answer was you guys are only reaching the surface you're not willing to look under the problem whether it's suicide whether it's shootings all of it all that aggression comes from people being unsatisfied like you said you know we have nothing you, you can work all your life in three jobs and you'll never get there what, what, what kind of life is that and I kind of love uh, that finally in in the government in America that we have all these new younger people I think this is something we need to see in the world we need to see women and men that are young doesn't matter if they're very educated as long as they're they're very passionate and they got lots of energy and ideas that they come into government and I think we need to be more open to that and I think this is probably the only way we're gonna make a big shift is have the younger people come in and telling basically the older people hey guys this is not good enough you've tried it for 20 30 years like that give us a shot here and I hope that in every single country we can make that happen however and this is kind of the the warning I see it in Holland I see it in Italy we see it everywhere this whole thing with brexit like immigrants out and that that's very dangerous game it's a dangerous game because the truth is most countries asked for these immigrants to come to help them it's always a convenient target to blame the other rather than looking inward and looking at the true targets I mean really it's you know in the, the, the biggest the biggest problem is income inequality and that's not due to immigrants coming in and taking jobs that's due to the fact that there's a gross disparity between the one percent and the number of people who have an obnoxious amount of money and the rest of us that are often just a few months away from really falling into despair in terms of you know one bad situation whether it be a health issue or whatever and a lot of people would 
fall into a, uh, into an abyss. Well, the first thing I would suggest is that every congressman, everyone that's chosen for government, has exactly the same uh, medical insurance as every other person. That that would be kind of nice because then you would see how hard it is, right? You would suddenly go to the dentist and and learn that oh, a crown is not included or contact lens, and then you start learning about this because I feel like there are such um, uh, how do you call that in English? Disparity yeah. between me and uh, Mr. Trump. And I'm talking Mr. Trump before he was president. Well, sure. I mean, if you're raised wealthy, you never know what it's like to not be wealthy. What does he, you, you have no idea how to relate no to that. Idea what uh, a box of macaroni and cheese was. Right, that's what I mean. And, and that's, that's not normal. You, you, you do need to understand where most people live if you want to help people. If you don't want to help people, that's something else. But if you're in government, you were chosen. And I think the other thing that is a big, big problem is why are you chosen and why are you there for 30 years? I mean, um, sorry, but most jobs should not be longer than five years or three years and then out new new people in. Because that's the only way I think that you stay on top with new fresh people that are always understanding how other people live. Right. And I think uh, this is what I see. A tax break, for example. You know, if you're rich, you can get a tax break out of $3 because you can hire a lawyer that's $500 an hour that can get you the tax break of, of 3 basically. You, you know what I'm trying to say here. Right. Taxes is not my favorite topic, but that part is unfair. I think a young person that has to, in America especially, that has to... I, I meet people on the road that are still paying off their debts of a, as a student, oh. and they're 45. So, I'm sorry, but how do you advance if you're 45 and you're still paying your debt? I'd rather see 5 billion going to all the debts of student loans than a wall. Well, it would stimulate the economy more because there'd be more people that would be able to afford houses and vacations and televisions and everything else, which would stimulate the economy. Why does it have to be so expensive? Why do we have to, you know, I see this in every major city, you know, the, the, the rents go up all the time, every single year, whereas your salary doesn't. Right. How does this make sense? Why doesn't the government have these things in place that you're not thrown out of your rental home? That there should be way more protection. And one of the things that I end most of my talks with is um, we are all one paycheck away from being homeless and we are all one family member away of being an orphan. And we need to understand this. So when I heard that the people are not going to get paid tomorrow, that just breaks my heart. I mean, I, I, I understand them. I, I couldn't do it. So I, I could barely survive two months probably in their shoes. So, and we all know that. Well, yeah, I'm, it's totally different, different subject, but uh, don't even get me started on that. But, but yes, there is a discrepancy, but we created the discrepancy, so we can reverse it too. Don't forget, we created that discrepancy with the Bill Gates of this world, the Facebooks, the, the claim to fame. We created that. So I think that that's my message. The, the everyday people like myself have forgotten how powerful they are. They are so powerful. They just don't know it. Mm -hmm. 
So I would say on a positive note, always rise up, make your voice heard all the time. Not only once, when something happens all the time. So how can people do this on a day-to-day basis? How, what, what advice would you give to people you know, on a day-to-day basis who are listening to this and who haven't already turned it off because of the political nature of the comment we were just getting into? But um, how do they incorporate more kindness in their lives and improve the positivity and the positive nature of their lives? Okay, so for me, just remember one thing. Every single morning, we have a choice. I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to pester a colleague at work. I, I don't think we wake up like that. So the choice is when you get up and you shower and you brush your teeth, put on kindness like you do your clothes. Put it on. Start doing it on a conscious level. Every morning, you you um, close the door behind you and say, I'm going to try to be kind to one person. And even if that person is you, it doesn't matter. It has to be someone. Start. Well, we're going to wrap things up. Anything else you'd like to add? What do you have going on in the future? Obviously, we're talking about doing a podcast for um, Beyond Digital Network. That will be included here in quadcities.com. If you want to talk a little bit about that, anything else you have going on or a website you want to talk about that you want to direct people to? I would love for people to contact me through my website, daretobekindmovement.global or .com. You will get to the same place. Uh, I would love for you to contact us for... um, interviews. So if you're a teacher, if you're a first responder, if you know a first responder, if you know veterans, people with mental illnesses, those are the first five episodes that we're going to do. And we need people from all over the world, from all different ages and from all walks of life. And I would love to interview you. Awesome. Gabrielle Van Ray from the Dare to Be Kind Project. Thank you so much for being my guest today on QC Uncut, your source for uncut, unedited, uncensored information. Thank you for having me, Sean. (laughs) And we look forward to hearing your podcast here on quadcities.com. Thank you for tuning in once again to QC Uncut, hosted by me, Sean Leary. Come back again for more uncut, uncensored, unedited news and information from interesting people in and around the Quad Cities area, whether they be like Gabrielle visiting our area or folks who are here locally. Thank you so much. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.